Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Matt Corey of BP Boston. Matt, what's up? Oh, man. Uh, my legs hurt from running. Other than that, uh, oh, and I'm terrified of the NHL playoffs. Those are, those are the two things right now. Uh, how are you doing, man? <laughs> I am well. Um, not terrified by the NHL playoffs. Um, I'm curious as to why you are, though. Capitals fan. Okay, that makes that's enough said. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, yep. You we'll will lose terribly, time. and yeah. <laughs> One of these no. days, right? Um, no, probably not. No. Um, <laughs> you've you've been watching since pre Peter Bondra days, I'm sure, and um, it yes. just never gets better. Uh, well, the regular season is usually wonderful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that it's, is certainly not no, the issue. No, you're right. It's not the issue. Yeah, in, in many ways, it actually is is a little bit like. Um, well, it can't be in many ways a little bit like, but forgive my uh, my word choice. In any case, um, it is like um, the pre-04 Red Sox in in a number of of ways. Not not certainly that long, right. um, but a good amount of pain is packed into that period of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a. That's a decent analogy. I, I think maybe uh, the Texas Rangers would be a good one. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Although although the um, the Capitals have never actually won a Stanley Cup Finals game. Um, oh yeah. So there is that. There is uh, that. Um, but after all, this is a baseball podcast, so we will we will pick true. it here. Let's um, move on. <laughs> <laughs> so we we've got six games in the books um, right now with the Red Sox. Um, they sit at a nice. Tidy three and three, um, you know we obviously like it to be six and zero, oh, but you know you can't win them all. Um, but three and three, considering the flu bug that has been going around with this team, um, might be somewhat of a miracle. Um, you know, I, I just want to put in perspective here a little bit um, how many guys have been missing time uh, with the flu this year so far in. Uh, or the flu and or other things. Um, so Bogarts has missed four straight games with the being on the bereavement list. We have Elias, who's missed time with the ab strain. Joe Kelly, down with the flu, he's missed three games. Um, Pomerantz has not started this year because of arm troubles. Price hasn't started this year because of arm troubles. Um, Hanley has missed four straight games with the flu. Robbie Ross has not played this year because of the Jake, flu. Jake, we only we only have an hour for this podcast, so yeah, yeah, it, and I'm not even done. Um, <laughs> we haven't even gotten to Rutledge, uh, Carson Smith, or or Tyler Thornburg, who are all injured as well. Uh, we had Benintendi practically yakking in the field uh, and still playing games. Mitch Moreland playing games at much less than 100 percent. Um, and now today we have Jackie Bradley Jr. going on the DL with a knee injury. Um, After missing two games. Yeah. I mean, it's just – it's incredible uh, the amount of things that have happened to this team um, in just six games. And, and to be 3-3, three and three, like, I'm proud of that right now. Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with being 3-3 three and three given the, the list that you and, – and on top of that, I mean, they faced some pretty impressive pitching. Um so, you know, you have to think at some point the flu bug is going to work its way through and go on to, uh, you know, other things. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the team will get healthy and, you know, at least from that. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm optimistic um, that, uh, you know, that the, the injury bug will will lessen. Um, they did the, fumigate the clubhouse, too. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, the one thing you didn't mention, which, you know, isn't specific to the Red Sox on the field, but I mean, even Dave O'Brien, the, the team's <laughs> play-by-play guy on the um, on television, had uh, had to leave mid-broadcast because he was um, <laughs> vomitously ill. Um, that's incredible. So, yeah, I mean, good God. Uh, in any case. Do you really um, think it's the flu? Do you think it's like neurovirus or something crazy like that? I mean, it's... <laughs> It seems kind of bizarre. I know it's, that the clubhouses are not clean places, but I mean, still. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what you do. I mean, it, the the bizarre thing to me is that this doesn't happen more often. I mean, I have I have two kids, and every year when school starts, you know, illness gets 
you know, just pass from one kid to eight other kids and from those eight kids to eight other kids from each kid, you know, and it's just this exponential thing till half the school is sick and half the parents of those kids are sick and it's just, it just goes on and on. So, you know, people who spend a lot of time in close proximity to each other, um, tend to share illnesses. So, uh, but this is easily the worst that I have heard. And I, you know, I don't have a comprehensive knowledge of baseball, uh, team illness, but, uh, it's certainly one of the worst I, I would imagine, you know, in, in a while. I, I think we should start referring to the 2017 season from now on as the flu epidemic season. Um, just, just to remember it that way. I think, uh, you know, a week, a week in change here is enough to, to remember it that way. What do you think? Do you think we can make that happen? Sure. Why not? Hashtag, hashtag it. Hashtag flu epidemic Red Sox 2017. We'll, we'll have to work on shortening yeah. that up a little bit. <laughs> Cut that down a little bit, but yes. <laughs> um, so I, I want to play a little bit of, uh, well, I, I want to have some fun, I should say, with some early season um, numbers here. Okay. And, and so far, when you look at run differential, which is a pretty good indicator of how good a team is towards the end of the year, at least, um, you know, that can tell you some things. How many runs has a team scored? How many have they uh, been able to prevent with their pitching and, and right now the Red Sox uh, Pythagorean record has them at three and three because they have scored 22 runs and they have let up 20 runs uh, let's go with the good news first they've let up 20 runs which is the fourth fewest in the American League right now that's pretty good the pitching's been pretty good the first uh, you know turn in turn in a quarter um, through the rotation here um, but I, I I want to get your guess at and that puts them at plus two but I want to get your guess as to who has the best run differential in the American League right now and what that run differential is um, well last I looked and this does not include yesterday's games but I believe the twins had the best run differential you are correct, it's, sir. It given up like four runs or something. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yes. Can you guess their run differential for bonus points? 20, plus 25. Ooh, that's aggressive. Um, not quite plus 25, um, but they do sit at a major league second second best, I should say. There's only one team that's got a better one. Uh, plus 16 oh. right now. They've They've scored oh. 31 runs and allowed just 15. Um, so that in itself should tell you how irrelevant one <laughs> week of baseball statistics really is. And I think it's always funny um, when you listen to talk shows or, or anything like that. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll call out the radio talking heads for this. But, you know, they, they start talking about things like oh, Ben Intendi, he's he doesn't look very good right now. He's batting right. like, you know, 174 or whatever. Yeah, it's 174 on, on the year so far. You know, is this reminiscent of Pedroia's rookie year or Pablo Sandoval? He's batting 130. Is he done? And, and then on the flip side, it's is Sandy Leon the greatest catcher to ever live batting 368 right now? It's, it's just like, well, whoa. Just, oh, just oh. Yes. The answer to that is yes. Yeah, but like calm down. You know, it's it's so ridiculous because our tendency is to way overreact to what happens when it's all we have as a sample size. But if someone went on a cold streak, like if if Ben Intendi had batted 298 all the way up through the All Star break, and then for two weeks he batted like 067, no one would give a shit. You know, and like this is this is seven days, and everybody's like calling for you know the sky is falling here it's it's hilarious it's just completely arbitrary this is what we have so let's panic about it that's the glory of uh early season stats oh yeah this is uh you know one of the great traditions in baseball um you know to to look at um you know what what teams do in the first i mean it goes on you know, the first two months of baseball, you know, you're still going to have, uh, you know, a month and a half in, there's going to be someone hitting 380 or 400 or something crazy like that. And we're all going to be like, you know, oh, can, uh, you know, Brandon Belt be the first 400 hitter since Ted Williams? <sighs> so um, I think uh, I, I think that's just that's just part of the fun of, of baseball season is is overreacting and and, uh, you know, 
and jumping around uh, about stuff like that. I mean, it's it can be hard to, uh, you know, coming off of football season and hockey and basketball playoffs and, um, you know, where the games are all do or die, seemingly uh, to, to baseball, where the games are the very, very opposite almost of, of, of do or die. Um, you know, you, you obviously you want to win every game, but, uh, but that's not the way baseball works. You're going to lose a lot of games, and even the best teams will lose a ridiculous amount of games. Uh, and many times uh, they will lose a bunch of games in a row and look terrible in in that process. So, um, yeah, we we really know very little about uh, about the you know about the team other than you know what you said in the beginning, which I totally subscribe to, which is you know a, a three and three record given what the you know what has happened to the roster so far. I mean, through only six games. Um, I think, I think that's, that's darn impressive. So, um, well, you know, next time you and I talk in whatever it is, three weeks or, or or four weeks or something, um, you know, we'll have a lot more, uh, data to work with and, uh, and we can blow that out of, uh, out of the water too. Yes. I I look forward to that. I look forward to overanalyzing things, uh, at that later date, but, um, let's talk a little bit about the offense as a whole here. And this is, you know, let's let's not base it off of what we have seen early season so far, but I mean, I guess what are your impressions of this lineup here? Seeing it, although in a very incomplete format, uh, without David Ortiz, um, does this unit still give you confidence that um, you know through the dog days of summer, all the way through the remainder of the year, that these guys are going to be able to hang with the best offenses in the league, or is this a unit that you think has some real question marks in it well i think the answer is both um i i talked to the guys at bp toronto um on their podcast uh previewing the red sox uh season and uh you know we were you know they were asking me you know what i thought the red sox were going to do and and i think that this is an incredible team that could that could win 100 games and i said the the thing that's going to you know that may derail them is is injuries you know and um, at the time, David Price had just gotten hurt, um, and and you know you you're always worried about um, you know uh, uh, guys pitching tonight. Um, Pomerantz. Pomerantz, thank you. Uh, yeah. You know Pomerantz is is you know perpetually walking on a, a high wire of, um, of of injuries, um, if I can butcher the language in that way. So, uh, but you know I think if this team is healthy, I think they're an an incredibly good team, and for the most part, you know they're a team that hasn't i mean certainly last year they were very healthy which should bode well for this year you don't ever expect perfect health again and the red sox were pretty close to perfect health last year so you would expect some injuries that uh, that didn't happen last year and certainly we've seen that uh, already this year but um you know the the biggest predictor of injury uh, of future injuries is past injuries and a team that doesn't go through many injuries you wouldn't expect to go through a ridiculous number of injuries the following season um and I, I think that's really about the the only thing that could derail this this team. I mean, they're an incredibly talented, especially offensive, uh, offensively speaking, uh, team. Um, you know, they've got a lot of young guys who are um, improving and, and reaching that um, those those sort of you know peak offensive seasons in the in the mid twenties. Um, and uh, yeah, so to answer your question, I'm 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 very optimistic about them offensively. Um, you know, we, we have yet to see a, a, a full lineup um, for the Red Sox. Um, I think maybe we caught one or two at the very end of spring training, but and certainly not not during the regular season. Um, and uh, so I, I, I'm I'm very optimistic. Um, I, I do think that, you know, there are there are some holes. I'm d- despite how, um, you know, Sandy Leon has looked. Um, it's six games and I, I don't think you can really learn a tremendous amount over six games. So um, I, I do still think that it's it's likely Leon is, is not the long-term starter here, and, and to get him out is probably going to mean uh, prolonged um, offensive ineptitude. Um, and, you know, the, the depth behind uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the players is being and, and, and will be tested because of, uh, you know, some increase in injuries. But, you know, the... The major nine starters, um, even even with Mitch Moreland, um, 
I'm still uh, I'm still pretty optimistic that that's a you know a top five offense if not better. So let me ask you about Sandy Leon then because you bring up an interesting point and I think that it's fair to argue that um, there might there may have been some real change with Sandy Leon last year and I think that numbers haven't necessarily backed that up in terms of you know the the underlying stats there um, and certainly projection systems didn't like him a whole lot coming into this year. But they also take into account what he did before last year as well. Um, he didn't have an incredibly impressive spring, which I don't really care about. Um, I mean, but it was he, a bad. It was a pretty bad spring. He looked pretty bad. Yeah, he, he did look pretty bad. Um, he did have a, a decent last few games of the spring. But yeah, by and large, he was not successful. Um, but then he came out gangbusters here in the first uh, week or so. Um, do you think that it's fair to say that he has made real gains at this point or it sounds like you're pretty skeptical that there is any real change that has gone on here and that this may just be another one of his his hot weeks but i I don't know at this point like we're getting to a point where the sample size is large enough dating back to last year that it's getting tough to fake this change well jake we've got 19 plate appearances here um sure this season, but yeah, like dating right. back to last year. Yeah, 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 right. I mean, at the, the end of last year was was not not great, and the playoffs, you know, that was again a very pretty small sample, so it's it's hard to hold a tremendous uh, amount against him there. Um, I, you know, he's he's a great story, and um, you know, I, I especially enjoy watching him defensively. That you know, this season so far, he's looked I think even better defensively than he has uh, than he did last season. His throws are incredible. His arm is so good. Yeah, I mean, he. I think that the, you know, I'm not a pitch framing expert, but just watching him, he looks really smooth behind the plate. Um, and uh, so I'm, you know, I, I if he's gonna hit, I mean, that's wonderful. Uh, but I think, you know, he he may be worth having in the lineup just just you know for defensive purposes. And I think that's you know one one of the things the Red Sox love about him is that, you know, yeah, he's hitting, but. Um, you know he's he's not it's not like he's a zero if he's not hitting um he's he's providing um you know value to the team in 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 other ways for sure um but you know i i don't i'm not placing a whole lot of value on on 19 plate appearances uh up to now um so yeah let's let's talk about it in a month i mean if he's hitting you know 368 uh you know on on whatever it is may 11th a month from now um then then I'll officially be impressed. Yeah, I think it is worth noting, though, that there are some things in his profile that suggest that, that there has been something different going on with him. I mean, last year, they're not exceptional numbers. I, I won't pretend that they are, but his hard contact rate last year was 31.3%, uh, yeah. and in 2015, it was just 14.1%. And then this year, in a minuscule sample size, uh, it's up to 43.8%. So um, I think the real thing to notice there is that there was a significant jump from the limited playing time he had in 2015 to 2016. And I think 31.3% is like a pretty decent mark there. So it's possible that there has yeah. been some change. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know how predictive that change is. Right. Um, or, or how predictive those um, those numbers are. I think I, you know, over a long period of time, you know, the more, uh, you know, the larger sample you have, um, the more predictive I would imagine them to be. Um, so, you know, so there's that, and yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely barreling up pitches. You know, you can you can see it um, as well as anybody in the lineup right now, um, maybe better. So yeah, and to put that in perspective a little bit, his hard contact rate last year would have rated him sixth in all of baseball behind Buster Posey, Wilson Ramos, Jonathan Lucroy, Salvador Perez, and Russell Martin. So that's yeah. some pretty good offensive company if you're a catcher. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, it's not uncommon for, I mean, you know, analysts have been looking at Leon and, and going, oh, well, you know, uh, he fell off at the end of the year, in which he definitely did. Um, but it's not entirely uncommon for a catcher who, ha- you know, with a high workload, especially maybe a higher workload than he's ever had before, um, to to sort of fall apart at the end of the year. I mean, I think that's probably to be expected. It would be unusual if that didn't happen. Um, 
you know the but you look at things like you know like his BABIP, which which was pretty ridiculous. Um, I mean, I I don't think that he's as good a hitter as as he showed last year. But um, I'm open to the idea that um, you know that he could be a, a league average hitter, you know, from the catcher position, which which from the catcher position, as as you just sort of pointed out, is um, you know is is above average. Um, right. if that makes sense. Um, above average for um, for catchers. So uh, that would be a big plus for the Red Sox for sure. Especially considering you know what they did to get him, and <laughs> I mean this is this is sort of found money at this point. Um, you know, a number of years ago we were um, you know looking at the Red Sox system and going, oh they have you know Vasquez and Swihart coming up, and that's you know we're going to be set there. And for various reasons, those two things haven't really you know those two players haven't really taken hold. Um, and Leon has been you know sort of a stopgap, but. Maybe he's the you know we'll find out uh, you know maybe he's the better player um, that I'm I'm uh, it's going to be a, I needed to see a lot more I need to see a lot more from him to um, to make that pronouncement but um, you know he's been pretty good so far and I think that one interesting point there is that you know we'll see how this whole thing shakes out but if it turns out that Leon is a changed player and he is um, someone the Red Sox want to keep around in a starting position for a while. Um, being that he's only a year older than Christian Vasquez, which a lot of people lose sight of as well, um, that could open up the Red Sox if they were to need something at the deadline to trade one of those catchers, whether it be Blake Swihart or uh, Christian Vasquez there. And those guys would be pretty valuable in a trade. Either of them would be in, you know, I'm, I hate to think of Dombrowski trading any more players, but at this point, like, He's almost pot committed at the, on this particular group, so if, if there is somebody who establishes themselves, then maybe he can go in that direction. But I think that we would um, probably both agree that outside of catcher, the biggest question mark in this offense is Pablo Sandoval at third base. So I wanted to get what your early impressions are from him, and you know, definitely don't want to look at that batting average at 130 right now. But like, what have you seen so far watching him? So, um. I think he looks pretty good. I mean, he looks like Pablo Sandoval. You know what I mean? Like uh, he's gonna swing it at sort of ridiculous pitches out of the zone. Um, the home run that he hit was, you know, um, up and out of the zone. There was really no business, no reason for him to swing at it, but he he barreled it up well enough to get it over the wall, um, which at the you know at that time was was pretty huge in that game. They ended up losing by a run anyway, but. Um, but still, that was that was an impressive, um, impressive swing. Um, and, you know, that like you said, the batting average isn't there. But if you look at his his batted ball profile, um, I mean, he's he's got um, pretty impressive um, numbers through those six games. You know, he's he's hitting the ball. Um, he's hitting the ball in the air. He's hitting it really hard. Um, he's not popping up at all. He's got a 56.3 hard percentage um, on on Fangraphs batted ball data. Um, his soft hit percentage is 6.3%, which I assume means he has one soft hit um, at this point. I mean, it's just just such a small sample. But you know, considering who they faced, um, you know, I, I think the results have been have been really good. I mean, you you can't go into this and think, oh, he's going to be an MVP candidate. He's never been an MVP candidate. Um, it's not Pablo Sandoval at all. No. And the fact that he is doing something positive with the bat, even with that home run and the four RBIs there and making hustle plays in the field and getting down the baseline quicker. I mean, all those things are super positive things that we hadn't seen really since he's been in a Red Sox uniform. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think even the, even the defense looks good. I mean, yeah. I don't, you know, it's not great. But it's passable, uh, but, which is more yeah, than you've been able to say for him in years. Yeah, exactly. It's it's totally passable. Um, you know, I, he I think he had a throwing error the other day. Um, you know, those those things are going to happen. Um, everybody everybody makes throwing errors. Even even the immortal Dustin Pedroia makes a throwing error from time to time. Um, and it's you know considerably harder throw from third base anyway. But um, you know, you, you ask how, how I'm feeling about Sandoval. I'm, I'm actually feeling pretty good. Um, I, you know, the, you know, the, the numbers are not, uh, are not great. He's not going to walk. He is going to strike out. He's going to swing at pitches out of the zone. Um, but if he's able to barrel up the ball the way that he's been doing, I think he's going to have a pretty good season. 
I will venture to say that I believe that he will have a season reminiscent of the 2013 Giants season. So not quite as good as he was in 2014, but a pretty good year. And I I don't know if he'll get back to quite that batting average, 278, which I think might be a little bit high for him. But I think like we could be looking at a 260 hitter with about 14 home runs given Fenway Park and – his swing and you know if he can maintain this weight i think that's the biggest thing for him and then all of a sudden you're talking about a red sox offense that if pablo and sandy leone are both net positives for this team um that's a very long and powerful lineup yeah it really is actually um i mean we it's sort of hard to imagine right now because so many people are out but um you know bogarts is coming back Betts is coming back uh, i mean he's back but uh you know, presumably, I mean, one thing uh, about the flu that we don't really touch on um, in our previous conversation about it, uh, but I think is important to note, is that, you know, just because you come back um, and start playing again um, or that you can play through it doesn't mean that you're perfectly healthy, that you're, um, you know, back to, to full um, full power potential. I mean, it drains you. It takes uh, it takes weight off your body. It, it takes a while to you know, to fully come back from something like that. Um, I, you know, weeks, I would imagine. Um, so I think, uh, I think we may see, you know, it may be a little bit before a lot of the players that were, were stricken with that illness, um, you know, are back to being a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, and a note there about the flu as, as we are getting closer to approaching the hundredth anniversary of the end of world war one, uh, the flu killed more people in world war one than, the war did the spanish flu uh during that conflict so the flu is no joke no it's a it is a serious serious illness so um but in any case i i'm i am uh, to get to get back to your, your point there about the strength of the lineup oh i thought you meant the spanish flu <laughs> i i think the um i think the lineup is is going to be pretty deep you know i you know we we've talked to you know for a million hours about David Ortiz and losing losing him and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, you know, there there isn't that one maybe that one guy um, you know in the lineup who you want to see up in a clutch situation. Um, but you know, if you're if you're rolling nine guys through your lineup or you know eight depending on your level of confidence in Mitch Moreland, um, then Which is low for me, very low. Yeah, I mean, I I can't claim to be super confident in him either, but you know, he's he's hit the ball hard so far, no question about it. Apparently, he owns Justin Verlander too, which is something really odd that I found out yesterday. He's like, he's like ten for twenty something off of Justin Verlander. Yeah, at one point, I think uh, in the game the other day, um, Verlander had given up three hits. One of them was a single up the middle to Pedroia, and that this was like in the fifth or sixth inning. Um, and the other two were doubles to Moreland. <laughs> it's absurd. Like, this is why baseball is absurd. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there was some, like, schmuck that used to just hit Pedro Martinez. And I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but he would, like, consistently hit prime Pedro and had no business doing so. It's just everybody in baseball finds their foil. It's it's true. I mean, well, I don't. You probably remember in in, in 2013 in, during the playoffs. This is my favorite baseball is random uh, sort of story. When uh, Koji was was you know in his prime unhittableness, um, so and uh, they were in Tampa uh, during the playoffs, and and Koji threw a splitter to whoever their backup catcher was, and the guy you know essentially closed his eyes and swung and oh, ended up. Yes. What was that idiot's and, name? I don't know, uh, but it, it was like the most random occurrence. Uh, you know, if you swing, you have X percent chance of actually making you know full hundred percent contact. Um, and and this guy, you know, he he rolled a whatever you rolled to have that happen, and <laughs> and boom, it was like it was a perfect pitch. He was perfectly set up for it, and yet somehow this this guy who you know didn't have much business. Uh, in the major leagues, let alone facing Koji in the playoffs, um, you know, hit one out. So, um, yeah, these things are going to happen. Um, was that Jose Molina? I don't think it was, but maybe. Was it Ali Solis? No, I want to say like Deonor Navarro or something. 
No, I've got uh, no it, it had to have been Molina. Was I it? think it was Molina because he was so pathetic in the in the regular season. He he had a 178 batting average and he was 39 years old that season. Oh yeah. I think it was him. All right, I'm looking no, it maybe up. Maybe it was Kurt Casale. Was it? Ah, this is killing me. I don't know why I care so much about this, but I just remembered that that thing that you had mentioned yeah. so viscerally, and I was like, uh, "Was it Lobatone?" It was Lobatone. Oh my god, <laughs> that that might be even worse. Yeah. What has yeah. he done since Lobatone? Nothing. Is he in baseball still? Uh, he is. He's he's with the Nationals. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, actually, he was not horrendous. In fact, that one year. Uh, it was was his best year. He he played in 100 games. He had a 249 batting average, a 320 on base percentage, and he slugged 394. He had seven homers during the regular season. Okay, uh, that's respectable. Yeah, yeah, it's qu- quite good, quite good for 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 a catcher, quite good. Um, that was the one year actually. Everything else, every other year, he's been pretty putrid. All uh, right. Well, I'll be sure to send you a Jose Lobaton fathead for your wall. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the gift that keeps giving. That's right. That's right. All right. Great. So shall we talk some pitching? Yeah, sure. Um, I will not make judgment about the rotation until I have seen everybody through the rotation at least twice. Um, just just a, a, as a matter of principle. But mm-hmm. I do want to talk about two things. First, Pomerantz is going to start tonight. Um, I have no confidence in him. I want to know what your confidence level in him is for not only this start, uh, but for this year. I mean, it's hard to have a lot of confidence in him considering, I mean, it's just been, it's just been bad. Like, you know, they gave up, um, you know, their best pitching prospect for him, uh, you know, in a deal that immediately looked, uh, you know, gut wrenchingly bad. Um, even if he pitched well, you would still go, oh, jeez, um, and and he didn't pitch well, and and then he got hurt, and then he was hurt immediately upon the start of um, you know uh, spring training, too. So, um, yeah, it's it's hard to have a lot of confidence. I mean, that said, I don't think having a lot of confidence has anything to do with how he pitches on the field. Um, you know, hopefully he's great. The Red Sox obviously uh, need him to be you know, decent, um, or at least, um, you know, a step, a step below a uh, league average would, and, and healthy would, would still be, um, acceptable. I would, I would think, right. but you're on the hot seat. Then I'm going to ask you some really hard questions about him. Okay. What does he do tonight? How many runs? How many innings? Uh, I bet he throws like, I bet he doesn't get out of the fifth and he gives up four runs. Okay. How many strikeouts? Three. Okay. Now that he just got through that terrible start and his arm didn't fall off, um, how many more of those starts will he make this season? I bet he makes 12 starts this year. And what will his final ERA be on the year? Over or under four and a half? I'd say just barely over. Barely over four and a half. And that, my friends, is the guy we traded our top pitching prospect for. And I will give credit where credit is due. Evan Drellick came on the show last week and pointed out to us that contextually that trade made a lot of sense at the time because of the desperation that the Red Sox were in and because they were in the thick of a playoff race. However, my gut reaction at the time they made the trade was this is one of the worst trades I've ever seen. Um, then I got talked into it by my colleagues because of the context of the trade. And I thought, okay, this could be okay. But then removing yourself from the context of the trade, I'm back to thinking this <laughs> trade is vomit worthy. It's, it's li- like a lot of Dombrowski's trades. It's kind of sad in a way, I think. Um, you know, there's – so winning the World Series is – you know, I, I wrote this at BP Boston, I think, you know, after one of the trades. Winning the World Series is the goal, you know, of any baseball team. But I think the goal of any organization is to have sustained success and a, and a real chance to win the World Series over a long period of time. Um, and the Red Sox had that 
chance to, you know, to build an organization in that way. And Dombrowski has trashed it, um, you know, with the goal of, of winning one or two years. Um, and, you know, there's obviously ways that, um, you know, that, that they can, they can recover that depth. Um, you know, they can make smart signings on the free agent market that, that work out. They can make smart trades in the you know. international market as well. Like, like Dombrowski pointed out. Yeah. Although those, that's harder now. I mean, that's, that's part of the thing is that, you know, the Red Sox can't really go out and get a, um, you know, just, just buy a Yon Mankata. Um, they, you know, they're not in the near future really going to be able to draft a guy like Michael Kopech. Um, you know, they're, yeah, I mean, we, we've been over this and over this, so I'm sorry to re- rehash all this. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the saving grace is that the Red Sox have a bunch of players like Betts and Bradley and Bogarts and Swihart and uh, Vasquez and Benintendi, all these all these guys who are are young and incredibly talented. And that's that's a great core to build around. Um, and that's, you know, that's probably the, the saving grace of 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 Dombrowski um, that he hasn't traded any of those guys. Um, so anyway, I I remain skeptical of of him and his methods, and I think that there were definitely uh, better ways to go about making this team, um, you know, a good team rather than this sort of brute force um, that that he's exhibited since um, coming to the to the Red Sox and you know I've sure been wrong before so uh, you know maybe they'll win the World Series this year and and next year too and and I'll look like the idiot I am uh but um I don't know it's 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 kind of hard to um from where I sit right now it's kind of hard to endorse all this all, all these all this trading of of talent for for guys who you know are going to have this kind of minimal impact um on the major league team all right yeah i am with you on all of that stuff and it does make the trades that he makes so much harder and if they if they don't work out it is tough to look at those as anything but a failure yeah um what i do want to talk about now that's a little bit more fun is how good chris sale (laughs) has been (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, you had to, you you started us down the path when you brought up the uh, the the hit by that terrible catcher. What was his yeah. name? Jose Lobaton. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and then and then we just got to talking about Dombrowski, and then I blacked out. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but but what I want to do ask you about is is Chris Sale here because through two starts he's been unbelievable, and yeah. he has been so fun to watch and. Pitching is my favorite part about baseball, and I wanted to um, give you a couple years uh, that Red Sox aces have enjoyed in uh, other championship seasons, and I want to know from you whether or not you think Chris Sale will have a better year than this particular person. So the first guy I'll give you is John Lester in 2013. John Lester had a 3.75 ERA, 213 innings pitched, um, and he struck out 177 guys. Will Chris Sale do better than that? Yes, he will, um, although what I would say is Lester really turned it on uh, at the end of the year and in the playoffs, um, and, you know, shrug emoji. I don't, you know, it's impossible to say how that's going to, turn out for for sale um but you know i i think my love of john lester is is well known um i turned on the cubs ceremony the other day and immediately got sad uh so um but uh but i do think that uh you know it's it's pretty inarguable that, that chris sale is a better pitcher than john lester yeah i agree i think he'll crush that season and john lester was unbelievable in the playoffs like you said but yeah i think he's going to be better um, we're going to go in the Wayback Machine here to 2007, which is now 10 years ago. Um, I, I know I don't need to remind you old guys about that. Um, <laughs> so I just turned 30. Who am I mocking? Um, so the the Red Sox during 2007 were led by their ace, Josh Beckett. 
Um, Beckett had a 3.27 ERA. He had 200.2 innings pitched, 8.7 Ks per nine, uh, and he struck out 194 batters. Will Chris Sale be better than Josh Beckett? Uh, yeah, I think he will be. Um, I, you know, again, I, I, and I haven't looked up the numbers for the playoffs, but my memory, uh, you know, of, of Beckett in the playoffs is that he was incredibly good also. So I think, um, that's, that's always the, uh, you know, the, the caveat in any of these, um, you know, any, any of these comparisons when you're, I assume you're just talking regular season, right? Yep. Just regular okay. season numbers. Oh, there. And I'll, I'll shut up about the playoffs and uh, say, yes, I okay. think it will be better than Beckett. All right. We're going to go to even a step higher future hall of fame pitcher, um, future hall of losers for his political views. Um, <laughs> Kurt Schilling in 2004, um, 226.2 innings pitched a 3.26 ERA only walked 1.39 guys per nine. Uh, he struck out a whopping 203 guys that year. Will he be better or worse than the 50-year-old Kurt Schilling? It was not 50 then. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think he'll be better than Schilling. I don't know if he's going to get those innings. Um, but I think on an you know an inning-to-inning basis, I think he'll be better. Um but we are approaching probably the upper bounds of how good he's going to be. All right. Well, we'll see just how good he will be because the last guy I'll ask you about is Pedro Martinez. And I'm not going to ask you about his 2004 year because his 2004 year was really weird. Um, but I will ask you about his 2003 season. Uh, in 2003, he had a 2.22 ERA. And he struck out 9.93 guys per nine. Uh, only pitched 186.2 innings that year, but he still struck out 206 batters. Will he be better or worse than Pedro in 2003? Uh, I don't. I don't think there's. No, he's not going to be better than Pedro. There's. There's your short answer. Uh, no. I don't know. He might be able to have a better year than Pedro's 03. Pedro's 03 was awesome, right? But. Mm. Pedro was hampered a little bit by longevity that year and his ability to stay healthy. He only made 29 starts that year. I mean, it's not like 29 is nothing, but right. eh, it wasn't – that was that was the start of the decline of Pedro, right? Uh, yeah, that was the first year um, – well, not first year. Uh, I mean, his, his K per nine, um, you know – started its downward trend at, at that point. Uh, I guess actually in 2002, it really started its downward trend compared, but I mean, you're, you know, 99, 2000, uh, 2001, especially 99, 2000. I mean, those, those were, those were peaks that, you know, we haven't seen probably, you know, won't see for a, for a long time. Um, we'll never see those again. So, I mean, he, was, you know, he was worth, I, I don't even know, I, I don't know what, what, what BP has, um, you know, in terms of warp, but it's it's probably like 20 warp for those two years combined, if not more. Um, I think it just says unfair next to next to his name. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing that's ridiculous is that anybody hit him. You know, like he actually gave up runs those years. Can you imagine that? No, uh, I, I imagine that it was a Jose Lobaton situation where they just I, closed yeah. their eyes and flailed at the ball. It's got to be. It's got to be. Um, so, um, you know, what did you say? 2003, Pedro? 2003, uh, Pedro. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a different environment for sure uh, that we're dealing with now. You know, there's a lot more strikeouts. Um, it's, it's a lot easier to generate strikeouts than it was back then. Um, and, you know, it was a much stronger offensive environment. I mean, we were, you know, getting into the, the meat of the steroid era there. Um so I, I still think that 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 Pedro is is going to be you know when it's all said and done there will will be better um, than Sale. Um, I but, accept that. But you know that that said that doesn't mean that you know that it's going to be a um, a bad uh, you know bad year. I, I think Sale's going to be fantastic. I mean we've seen him so far um, you know be fantastic. Yeah, not only does it not mean it's going to be a bad year, it's going to be awesome. This is going to be the best pitcher. Well, we're both saying that this is going to be the best pitcher that we've seen since Pedro Martinez in a Red Sox uniform. And I don't think that, like, 
there's a whole lot of hyperbole going on here when we're, when we're saying that. I mean, he he was most everybody's pick to win the AL Cy Young here at BP, and that's over not just the local sites here, um, yeah. but all of the sites. You know, it's yeah. everybody feels like this guy is going to do something special now that he's got the spotlight on him in Boston, likely going to be pitching the playoffs if, you know, the great Spanish flu of 2017 goes away at some point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is awesome. For people who like aces and like to have appointment viewing every fifth day, um, you have to be stoked that Chris Sale is on your team because he is truly a different type of of ace than the Red Sox have had in 10-plus years. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he, he is magnificent to watch, um, you know, and it's the, the thing that is especially amazing about him is, you know, the way he throws the ball, it, it's typically like, it's, it's almost like a, a loogie, you know, like he comes around the side from the left like that, and, you know, lefties typically can't handle that kind of uh, arm angle, but righties typically crush that kind of arm angle. And they can't touch him either. So, um, I mean, just watching like Cabrera flail at his slider the other day by like uh, two feet. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty nuts. And, uh, you know, he's the, the sad part so far is he's put out, you know, two really good starts um, and the Red Sox haven't won either game. So um, or did they win the first game? They did he he pitched against the Tigers or against the Pirates, right? Yeah, they yes. They did win the first game. It, it, game. So, okay, yeah, so that was the Sandy Leone game, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was yeah. the Sandy Leone game. Twelfth inning. That's yep. right. That's he didn't he didn't factor into the decision, but um, he pitched yeah. amazing. That was the the sale tie on duel. He's been in right. two duels already. That's that's been what's awesome too. Has been the other side hasn't disappointed either. Tyon was awesome, and then Verlander was like kind of shaky early on, but then really had a great rest of the rest of the start. Yeah, he did. I mean, I I thought the Red Sox actually put you know put some good wood on his pitches and uh, and just didn't get anything to show for it. Um, I, you know, there was a couple times when Pedroia just hit the ball right on the nose. Um, I know Chris. Uh, Chris Young hit the ball real hard, um, and you know it just seemed like I mean, it's not like the Tigers are known for great defense. Uh, it just the the balls just seemed to go right to um, you know right to the Tigers players. So um, I imagine that kind of thing is going to change. Those those balls will start to fall, and, and the Red Sox will have more success offensively, and we'll get to watch Chris Sale all year, which uh, which is going to be wonderful. Yep. Um, so yeah, it should it should be a fun year if they can uh, you know not come down with, uh, I don't know, name your disease here. Stay, stay healthy guys. Come on. <laughs> Absolutely. Wash so, your hands. Wash your hands. Yes. Wash your hands and, uh, don't, don't touch anybody's dip bottle. Um, so for, uh, I, I guess the way that I want to end this, this today is by, um, just asking a simple question. What are you expecting? Uh, or what are you going to be watching for over the next 15 or 16 games? They have 15 of those games uh, against AL East opponents. We're going to go through and play the entirety of the division. Um, tell me one thing that you're going to be watching for as the next uh, month or so of games unfold. I'm going to be watching for health. I mean, I, I think a big part of the Red Sox success is going to be just whose name is, is written on the lineup card before the game starts. Um, you know, if, if Bradley gets healthy, if this isn't, um, a long-term thing, I mean, of course the team says it's not and he'll be fine. Uh, but they always say that until he's, you know, until they have to put him on the 60 day DL and he has to have a, you know, knee surgery or something. Um, so I think, I think it's just going to be that. I mean, if they can get, you know, their nine starters into the lineup on a regular basis, um, you know, if Pomerantz can, can be healthy, I think he can be, you know, an effective starter. Um, yeah, I, th I think that's I think that's going to be the big thing is is health and getting these guys um, out there. And and if the Red Sox are able to do that, I think they're going to win a lot more than they lose. My answer for this is going to be a little bit. I guess it sort of ties into your answer too. It's a little bit more even simple than that. I guess I'm just going to be looking for 
how the lineup ends up shaking out because we've seen a lot of fluidity in where guys are in the lineup so far uh, over the first month. And, and I'm looking for guys to kind of carve out roles over the next month. I think you kind of get more of a sense of where guys should be hitting in the lineup over mm-hmm. over that span of time. So hopefully heading into May and, and hopefully for sure by June, there's a, a good sense of where guys should be and what the best alignment for this team is because it is very different not having Ortiz there. It's The team has to adjust uh, to life without him. So figuring out how best this offense works without him in the center there uh, I think is going to be important. But um, nonetheless, it'll be really fun to see them play some non-National League teams because that was kind of bizarre opening up against the Pirates this year. But um with that, I, I think uh, I think we've covered off on everything. Is there anything else you want to add in before we uh, go ahead and do some housekeeping here, Matt? No, I, I think uh, – well, the last note I would say is I, I hope that uh, um, Craig Kimbrell doesn't kill us all. Yeah, that guy. He is yeah. almost as fun to talk about as Drew Pomerantz. <laughs> well, then let's go to housekeeping. <laughs> all right. Yes, please. Um, All right, so uh, if you enjoyed the show today, you can go on to iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe to the show. Um, Please do that, and then share it with all of your friends who are Red Sox fans, because that's how our show becomes more popular and more people get to hear me and Matt rant. Um, If you like us individually, you can log on to Twitter and follow uh, Matt at MattyMatty2000. You can follow myself at at DevJake. Um, and then please, if you really do like the show or you really hate the show and you want to tell us how much we suck, um, please log on and rate and review us. We haven't gotten any reviews in like forever, so that would be cool. Um, and yes, we will be with you next week. We are going to have a special guest on. We're going to have, uh, Jen McCafferty of Mass Live on, so that will be very exciting. Um, We'll talk to her about the Red Sox, and she's on the beat, so she'll have a lot of interesting uh, things to say, I'm sure. So uh, we'll be back with you then. Um, Until then, enjoy the game and have a good week.